When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly and his team, great sponsors of this podcast. And if you're on board with the podcast, our interviews on Mondays and questions from the audience on Wednesday evenings, Thursday mornings, well, then please make sure you support our sponsors. Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com, Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet, and James Carlton, State Farm insurance agent. Uh, this week, we have Scott Ogilvie as our guest. Now, I'm sure some of you are going, well, who's Scott Ogilvie? But let me explain. Scott Ogilvie is an alderman in St. Louis and a topic that has a lot of people's attention. And if it doesn't have your attention, I imagine it will after you're done listening to this, is ward reduction in the city of St. Louis. And some might go, well, I don't live in the city. I don't even live in St. Louis. I don't care so I'm going to fade this episode, and that's fine. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to attempt to sell it to you. But what I will tell you is this: if when you wonder what happened with the St. Louis Rams, if you wondered what happened with the MLS vote, if you're wondering in general what's happening with St. Louis, this is a microcosm of the larger issues, and that is why this discussion is so important. Scott Ogilvie, our guest here today on the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. If you are in the market to buy a home, if you're in the market to refinance, then make sure you go to the HomeLoanExpert.com, the HomeLoanExpert.com. And when you go there, you see two tabs. You want to buy a home? Great. Now you can enter in the information and find out how much your payments are going to be. If you want to refinance, you can do the same thing and find out that five minutes can save you $500. I know Ryan Kelly. I like and respect Ryan Kelly quite a bit. He's got a great story. He's an incredible entrepreneur. And on top of that, he is so philanthropic throughout his success. He has always wanted to give back, not just with money, but also with his time and what he does with children's charities and everything at Cardinal Glennon. You're doing business with a good person who knows his industry, who sees his business continue to grow because he understands customer service and his customers want to save money. That's what he can do for you. Go to thehomeloanexpert.com and see for yourself. Without further ado, here he is, the alderman, Scott Ogilvie. Your tweets on the ward reduction, not only potential vote, but then a lack of even a debate was what really got our attention on our radio show. 
And I wanted to discuss it on the radio show because my feeling was there's a good chance that a lot of St. Louisans, whether they be city, city residents or live in the metropolitan area, uh, had no idea what was going on. And you conveyed really shock when you saw what was playing out that afternoon. Uh, I was feeling some shock, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, people should remember um, way back in November of 2012, uh, the Board of Aldermen uh, put on the ballot uh, a question to reduce the number of aldermen and the number of wards in the city after the next census. Um, and that passed in November 2012. Um, so we're going from, the law says right now, we're going from 28 wards to 14 wards. Basically 2023 is the first election where that would occur. Um, since 2012, there's a, sort of a different group of people at the Board of Aldermen. There's been a lot of turnover. And a number of them, you could say, want to revisit that issue. Uh, they've got cold feet on ward reduction. So there's been a push um, led by a few aldermen and also by uh, the, the Democratic Central Committee, which maybe we could talk about later in St. Louis, to get this back on the ballot, to have voters have to vote again, uh, either to undo it or to choose to to retain it. On the surface, as I was following your tweets and then reading the story, it struck me that it was it really, the primary reason being to keep jobs, keep aldermanic jobs. Sure. I think uh, that's that's the intuition some of us have. <laughs> okay. Cloaked <laughs> under the guise of not giving proper representation to the African-American community. Yes. Yeah, so that that's definitely an aspect of the debate. And um, I think that it's a hard thing to talk about because, I mean, the reality is it's it's a claim I think you have to take seriously. Because we all know there's there's lots of instances uh, throughout, you know, long time ago and recent history and to today where governments do intentional things to um, to diminish minority representation or African-American rep- representation. So you can't just dismiss that claim out of hand. Um, I will tell you, though, that it was I mean, I, I was a big part of the campaign back in 2012. I would not have been on. Uh, I would not have been pushing for this if I felt either by either intentionally or by accident that we would be uh, reducing black representation in St. Louis. And I think um, electoral outcomes from the last two decades, I think very clearly show that black candidates will not be at any disadvantage if we have 14 wards. If you look at um, we have we have nine citywide elected officials, uh, black candidates are in in six of those seats right now. And if you look at state rep districts, depending on how you count them, there's either 10 or 11 that represent St. Louis. Six of those are represented um, by black elected officials. So black candidates are doing well in St. Louis in larger districts. If we have larger wards, I think you'll see the same pattern. And I I really don't think black candidates will be at any disadvantage. Um, and it's not just me saying, I mean, that's not just my opinion. That's based on recent elections. It's also the opinion shared by, um, like, the St. Louis American published an mm-hmm. article that had a very, very similar opinion. So I don't it think, essentially said get to work on redistricting as opposed to revisiting something that sure. was voted on in 2012. Exactly. That was that was the gist of, of that column. Yeah. And for those who are... Outside of the city of St. Louis, I think, Scott, they go, well, the Board of Aldermen, here we go. And it's kind of a punchline. And then something like that happens. And I feel like it adds fuel to the fire oh, yeah. of that narrative. 
I mean, for me, it was it was an embarrassing day because one, look, we had voters weighed in on this presidential election in 2012, 74 percent turnout. Voters of St. Louis, they had a chance to say yes or no. It was a very straightforward question on the ballot. They ch- they said, let's go to 14 wards. So I believe, you know, then it's our it's our um, responsibility on the board of aldermen to see that through. Um, I don't think we should vote again, but I also think the the manner in which uh, proponents of voting again pushed this thing, they did two things that I think were were way off base, and I think that there are really no there's no good explanation or defense for. So the first thing is they want to skip um, the August election, they want to skip the November election, they want to skip the March election, they want to put this on the ballot in April and. April is the lowest turnout local election you ever have. Turnout sometimes as low as like seven or eight percent. And to have to have voters already said 74 percent of voters came out November. How are we going to explain to people if these are real numbers? It could be 10 or 11,000 voters overturning what 80,000 voters wanted that you, you can't you can't do that and have it not just be obvious that it is a manipulation of the electoral process. Um, and it's, you know, I suppose it's ironic that that's the, to have 11,000 voters overturn what 80,000 voters wanted. It's deeply ironic when you're making an argument based on representation, that that's, that that's how it should work. Then on top of that, uh, there was no debate on the actual bill on the floor of the Board of Aldermen. There was a motion to just vote on the bill and that motion got 15 votes, which is, a, you know, the bare minimum it needed. And then the bill got 15 votes. So we'll see what happens. You know, I think that um, there's a good chance that skits on the ballot no matter what, even if it doesn't pass the Board of Aldermen, because I think the Democratic Central Committee is going to pursue an, an initiative petition drive. Um, but pull back from sort of the minutia of local politics. The, the big picture is the St. Louis region has... So many jurisdictions. Everybody knows this. There's too many police departments, too many municipalities, too many school districts. It's impossible to have consistent, fair, equitable policy across the region. Everything is sort of a one-off, ad hoc decision. And the region absolutely needs to be going in a direction of reducing that fragmentation. And so what we could do in the city, you can't do everything, but one thing we could do is reduce the number of wards. Wards in the city, there are some real parallels between wards in the city and municipalities in St. Louis County. And this is about sort of getting our house in order within the city and being able to take leadership on that topic. And if we undo it, you know, I don't I don't see how we go back ever again and say, well, you know, we need these other reforms to local government if we give up on this one. You are in favor of the ward reduction. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yet you realize it may cost you your sure your job. I mean, isn't that that's what you're supposed to do in local government, right? You're supposed to say, regardless of what is ideal or best for me, we should do what is best for the city as a whole. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I also like I've been in this job for seven years. It's great. Maybe I'll be in this job for for four more. I don't I don't think the expectation should be that you get to stay in a role like this indefinitely. So if I end up with 12 years, I think that's terrific. And then if somebody's better than me and wins in a bigger ward, uh, you know, good luck and God bless them. <laughs> for, for the record, each alderman makes $38,000 plus a per diem. Am I correct on that? Sort of. It, it, 
Yeah, it comes out to about 40000 a year. Uh, okay, yeah. and, and some aldermen have full-time, this is their full-time job, I should say, and some sure. others have other jobs. Exactly. That be accurate? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay, how would you characterize your day-to-day? This is my primary job. Okay. Being alderman is my primary job. I occasionally take a freelance gig and some other stuff I do, but um, yes, this has definitely always been job one. So do you have ambitions beyond being an alderman? Um. <laughs> uh in politics? <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, of course. Um, maybe occasionally. You know, I think you have to you have to have uh, an opportunity. And occasionally I look at another race and, and think about, you know, should I get in that? If I'm going to run for something else, um, personally, I've just decided that uh, I got to I got to be in a place where I can give 100 percent to it. I haven't quite been in that place yet. Um, and, and for me personally. I hate raising money. I hate asking people for money, and I'm not good at it. And to to advance and to run for you know a, a seat with a that is a bigger area, I'd have to get a little bit better at raising money. Yeah. So, what is that process like? What do you got to get on the phone and just call people? Is that is you that can do that? Yeah. And uh, you know you have fundraisers and and you know you tweet and Facebook and try to get people to your website. Um, and then yes, if you're going to raise a lot of money, you got to make direct calls and just ask for checks and for me that's just uncomfortable yeah so. i can't imagine many people like it although i clearly some people are comfortable at the very least with it i don't think anybody yeah it. i don't think anybody likes it but some people definitely are, are good at it right um yeah. what do you think of the mayoral race i realize we're talking about something now that's 14 months 13 months old but what did you think of of that uh, i mean it was a very competitive race i mean uh i think that's kind of what you expect when you have a mayor who's been in office for a while and then it's kind of an open field. Right. And, um, I, I think, you know, I think there were a number of good candidates. Um, you know, Cruson won. I supported Cruson. I think that, uh, I mean, she is, I think she has a very good record at the board of aldermen and, and, um, I think behind the scenes, she was very effective. Um, I think for her, the transition to be mayor, I think people expect more of a, um, you know, somebody wants to stand at the lectern and give a speech and and take like a a strong stand early on topics. And her personal style is um, it's it's more of like a a wait and see, like a one on one type of thing. And so I think that transition for her, there's been some moments where she's had a been a challenge for her. Mm -hmm. Although I think. They've made lots of good decisions on on staffing and policy. Um, so hopefully the results come from from those decisions in the in the future. I realize it's not your jurisdiction, so to speak, but uh, the St. Louis County executive elections coming up in August. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, no earth shattering thoughts. I might just stay in my lane and, and let, let voters in the county work that one out. Yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> but one of the one of the candidates, uh, Mark Montavani, um, he is not saying he wants to see a merger, but he does say that there needs to be some kind of change yeah. to the way things are with the county and the city relationship. Sure. I mean, what I will say about that is I think it's a tougher sell for voters in St. Louis County, obviously. And to get it done, it's going to take a county, exec- a county executive who is willing to expend some political capital and to make a good a good sales pitch, and I think we need to. It's kind of a boring 
mundane topic that it's hard to get a lot of voters excited about. And I think you sort of have to point to things that we're missing because we have, um, you know, writ large, we have a very dysfunctional local government culture and, and system. Um, I think the, the MLS team, soccer stadium, I mean, I think that's a very clear example where you can say we do not have something because we did not have a unified city and county government. We clearly, a unified city and county government clearly could have afforded and paid for a soccer stadium and we would have an MLS team today. But that was a big ask just to put on the city and voters rejected it. So that's that's one recent example. There are, I think, a lot of other examples that um, are out there, but it's going to take a county exec who, who says you know, we're all in this together and the, and that residents of the county are actually missing out on stuff too, because we don't have, um, some type of more unified government. And yet there are some municipalities in the county who are already taking, I guess I would describe as preventative action because there has not been any legislation or proposition sure. for legislation regarding a merger. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Chesterfield, Sunset Hills, Wildwood, and maybe Ellisville, not Wildwood, Ellisville. Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at least those three, uh, and so I, I do wonder when I was when Mark was sitting in here, actually, Scott, I said, you know, you're taking a lot of positions that I think a lot of people in our audience will find refreshing, especially coming from a potential county executive. But I'm not sure the people who will be going into the, the booths in August will like, because I think there is some pushback about the perception that the county would be taking on the city's problems as opposed to what I think others feel is operating for the greater good of the region. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the details of any sort of future merger, we'd have to you know wait and see what those details would be. I think in any realistic scenario, um, whatever, I, sh- I should say this, uh, the city and county both already take on each other's problems all the time. There is no moat that divides <laughs> the city and county. You know, the, the quote unquote problems, uh, they are all of our problems, right? I think maybe people worry about in particular like debt that the city has, those types of things. It's very difficult to imagine any scenario of, of you know, merging the two where somehow county voters are now responsible for, for that debt. I think that's like the least likely scenario. Per- personally, I think the most likely scenario is that St. Louis County effectively grows. St. Louis City becomes a municipality, part of St. Louis County, the same way Clayton or Chesterfield mm-hmm. is. And St. Louis County is not responsible for all the, you know, I don't know how much debt, for instance, Wildwood has, but they certainly have some debt. And St. Louis County is not responsible for that. And it would be the same way, um, most likely it'd be the same way with the city where we still have, you know, we still levy our own taxes and collect them and and pay down our expenses with that revenue. Um, I, I think when people say, you know, the county, it's been a long time since I lived in the county, so I may not know all the concerns the county residents have, of course, but... It's curious to me that they think that we're not uh, that we really are sort of separate entities. I mean, in, in my in my experience, the city and county, it's one unit. People work in one, live in the other. Yeah. Families in one, you know, they live in the other. People go back and forth all the time. Most people, you know, don't spend all their life in the city or all their life in the county. They move back and forth. It's we're already one region. We just are governed as two regions. And, um, you know, the reality is most places aren't like that, and I don't think it's served us well. So, How would you describe the current climate at the Board of Aldermen? I realize the ward reduction 
certainly got a lot of attention, but you're in there daily, you know, fighting for what you think is right, whether it's not mm-hmm. necessarily in your own personal best interest. So what are you seeing on a day-to-day basis? Um, I, I think that it's been tense and that there are sort of a lot of hard feelings at the moment. I think post-mayoral election, because it was very close, I, I think um, the sort of tenor at City Hall was... Um, a little rough for a long time. And I think, you know, it's, I think it's been a hard several years for, for the region and the city. There are a lot of, you know, difficult issues that I think the region is grappling with right now, especially in terms of policing um, and race and, you know, disparities. Um, and, and those are very real pertinent and urgent issues. And I think, you know, when you're frustrated by those issues, some of that frustration is definitely, I think, bleeding over into the reaction, into the interactions we have with each other at, at City Hall. Yeah. Um, and then I think it's also just, I, I think sometimes there's a little bit of, uh, we've just gotten, the dialogue has just gotten coarser lately. And I think it's, it's something to do with the internet and people insulting each other and insulting each other on social uh, media. Yes, on social media and forgetting that there's a real person on the other end of that and you know the emotions remain even after the screen is turned off. So yeah. it's some of that too. Yeah. Do you get in social media tips with your fellow uh, older people? Oh, I try I try not to actually have like back and forths. I mean, I, I use social media certainly, but yeah. it seems to me that when you are sort of engaging in a fight on social media it, it's you know everybody seems to, to lose and though rarely is anyone enlightened and, and mostly you r- sort of regret the perhaps <laughs> the things you've said yeah, it's more about on. winning in front yeah. of the audience than it is actually it's, it's also most it's it's also more about i think putting on a show for your own audience rather than or your own supporters rather than ever trying to um understand what the other person is saying too i'm curious what your perspective is on this I feel like I have been saying on the radio, um, to a lesser extent on television, for about 18 years, that we have problems here. Uh, I oftentimes focus on race. I grew up in South City. Um, But it certainly goes beyond that. And for the first 15 years or so, I feel like of saying this, I felt like I was rejected as, you don't know what you're talking about, you're too young, whatever the case might be. And one of the reasons I'm bullish on St. Louis, at least from a long-term perspective, not necessarily like in the next two years, is because now in 2018, because of some of the things you were citing as being unfortunate over the last few years, there is a recognition across the region, not just in the city, that we do need to change. And before you can actually have change, you have to have a recognition and desire to have it. Not to say it's going to be easy, but at least the recognition is there. Do you sense that? Uh, not just with your constituents in, in your ward in Dogtown, but uh, throughout the region. Or am I off the mark on this, Scott? No, I don't think you're off the mark. I mean, I, I think the whole the whole tenor of what we're talking about, and I think the urgency with which people are talking about it, is very different than it was four years ago. And why do you think it's changed? Well, I think, I mean, I think because of Michael Brown shooting, I think, obviously not just that one incident, but I think... Um, sort of peeling back the layers of the frustration people are feeling and hearing that frustration uh, sort of placed in the center of the regional conversation has definitely, I think, changed the way uh, we're looking at a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think, you know, these are the challenges. They are very urgent issues, and they have um, they developed. They were created over a very long period of time, and um, you know, fixing them is very difficult. And also fixing them in a region where, where the city can do one thing, and the county can do another thing, and Clayton can do another thing, and Ladue can do its own thing. That's an area where it would be so much better if we could set one regional policy to work on these things, and instead you have to, you know, you have to set, you have to try to, um, uh, you have to try to make the same policy across different governmental jurisdictions. And it usually doesn't work very well, and some people just sit it out and say it's it's not our issue. We don't have to worry about this. Right. And so I think we probably haven't made as much progress as we should have. I, I think the the completely dysfunctional municipal court system in St. Louis County is a perfect example of an area where you ought to be able to fix that relatively quickly. And be, and because nobody's in charge of that whole system, and each municipal court is sort of an entity unto itself, um, there's been some improvements, but I don't, you know, not nearly the improvements that uh, I wish we would have seen. And you still have a lot of bad outcomes because you have a lot of sort of semi-pro municipal courts yeah, yeah. <laughs> operating out there. If there is a city, we hear a lot about the positives going on, for example, in Louisville, uh, Indianapolis. Nashville's been surging. Uh, Kansas City has gotten uh, a lot of popularity here recently. So we're talking about markets that are smaller than St. Louis that, that many feel like are surpassing St. Louis. If there is a muse, so to speak, from your position for what St. Louis needs to do, could become is there a market? Is there a city that stands out to you or cities? Sure. Those are, I mean, those are pretty good examples. I mean, I think you have to look to cities um, who actually made some substantial changes in, in the organization of their local government. Um, Indianapolis did that. Louisville did that. It doesn't mean, it's not like flicking a switch and everything changes overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, over decades, I think it really does make a difference. And so, you know, and those are not, those are not foreign places. They're only a couple hours down the road, and the people in those regions figured out a way to do it. And so you hope that people in our region can eventually reach the same conclusion. Um, you know, I think I think the story of St. Louis is always that um, you know some aspects of this region are, are terrific, and some aspects are uh, pretty bad. And it's always difficult to sort of square those two things that exist um, that are both true. They, at the same time. Um, and, you know, hopefully, um, hopefully we're coming to a place where we're not just being cheerleaders about the good aspects of the region, but we're figuring out ways to um, ameliorate the, the really, I think, troubling aspects of the region. So, What are some things that you would consider to be good things going on or good traits of the city that position it to have positive change? Um I mean, the good traits of the city are, are the fact, you know, we have, we're able to do some things really well. I mean, we have the best, we have the, I would say we have the best urban park in the country. Um, Forest Park is terrific. Um, you know, we have beautiful architecture, uh, some of which we've done a great job preserving. Um, we have a diverse economy within the region. Um, we have, you know, some thriving uh, institutions of higher education. Uh, we, ha- we have an affordable cost of living. Um, I think there are, 
a lot of, I don't want to say there are as many opportunities as in like the booming, some of the booming cities out there, but there's still a lot of economic opportunities within the region. And I think there's the opportunity for, for folks who um, are sort of middle-class people to have a very good quality of life within the region because we have so many, um, you know, low cost or free amenities that are, that are easy to get to. Um, so I think those, all those things are, are terrific. And I think we know what the challenges are though. I mean, there's, there's way too much violence. Um, and there are dramatically different educational opportunities depending on where you live. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, the region has this way of saying, well, if you live in another municipality and the school district over there is, is not performing very well, then that's your problem. That's not our problem. And that's not working out well for the region um, in, in the long run. Yeah. When it's all said and done here over the next however many weeks or months, what do you think winds up happening with this ward reduction? Um, I think ultimately that bill doesn't get through. It may get through the board with the bare minimum, like 15 votes. I think it may, if it does that, it'll get vetoed by the mayor. Um, those are her words, not mine. Right. And then it wouldn't have the votes for a veto override. However, the Democratic Central Committee, which is made up of uh, a committee man and committee woman from each ward, 56 people, they seem very committed to getting it on the ballot anyway via an initiative petition by gathering signatures. Um, you know, that's their right. If they do that, so be it. Um, Who I determines would, when it would go? Because you were talking about April and the low turnout in that case, in April. Yeah, in that case, it sort of depends on when they turn the signatures in. So it could still be April. It could probably, if they did it quickly, it could theoretically be earlier. Um, or if it took them a long time to get the signatures, it could wait till a later election. So there's still a question mark there. That's preferable to me because I don't, you know, I don't want the board to undo what voters said as a member of the board. If another group does it, that's a little bit different. Um, however, I would point out that the Democratic Central Committee has traditionally opposed every reform to local government <laughs> that has ever been uh, ever been suggested. So I think I hope voters out there keep the big picture in mind that um, this region has got to move towards less fragmentation and we should not turn back the clock on something voters have said they they wanted. Scott, I appreciate the time and thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Good right. to see you. So there it is. Scott Ogilvy with us here on the Tim McKernan show from the home studios. You know, the ward reduction discussion is, is one point of it, but as you heard throughout the course of the interview, we got into the bigger picture and I thought something that, that, that I learned from it and I suppose is somewhat discouraging is that Scott conveyed that it is a tough time right now at the board of aldermen. And they think that the perception was already that it wasn't good as it was. And then for him to say that it's tough now uh, drives home the issues that the region is facing, in particular the city, but the region as a whole. Um, and the fact that social media is, is one of the reasons for the divides. I just that, that stuff. I don't know. I, I just don't get it. Um, but it's disappointing to hear while people want to see St. Louis get back on track. And you hear of uh, factions or discord, people not talking or people are talking, but they're doing it through social media. And like Scott said, that's that's usually a show for your constituents. Uh, it just it isn't going to get stuff. 
actually accomplished. And that's truly disappointing. We will see what happens with the ward reduction. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Doesn't sound like Scott does either because Marilita Cruson can veto it and she says she will. But uh, again, it, it, speak, it, it speaks to the bigger problems. People not acting in the greater good and acting in their own self-interest. So enjoyed the conversation with Scott Ogilvie. Always enjoy uh, getting feedback from our audience. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com is how you can email me. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Thank you to TheHomeLoanExpert.com for the sponsorship of our studios here on The Tim McKernan Show. Thank you to James Carlton, 314-961-4800, online at carltoninsurance.net. Uh, First-class customer service and knowledge of the insurance agency business. This guy has become uh, a guy I enjoy seeing uh, at least every month. We get together for lunch and talk it over, and he knows the business, and I cannot recommend him enough to our audience. They'll make the switch for you. It's not going to be some huge headache for you. And now you've got somebody who is right here in St. Louis who can answer questions for you instantaneously because you can call and they actually pick up. They pride themselves on the calls not going to voicemail, and you're going to get the answers you need to save you money and give you the greatest guidance. James Carlton, State Farm Insurance. And Johnny Landoff, uh, Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, a new sponsor here on the Tim McKernan Show. We are very grateful for all of their support. They make it possible, continue to make it possible by supporting our sponsors. Look forward to questions from the audience later this week. And if you haven't listened to our interviews, go back. They're evergreen. And by that, I mean you can listen to them anytime, and most of them are not really dated. And you get to hear some in-depth interviews with some people uh, who you are familiar with from media, from sports, from entertainment, from politics. It's all there for you. Subscribe to The Tim McKernan Show. And if you could, leave a positive review. It helps the name of the game, which is the business. We appreciate you listening as always. Thank you to our sponsors and thank you for listening. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of The Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network.